Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. And welcome to another brand new edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. It is Monday, January 24th, and the Flyers will be back in action tonight to take on the Dallas Stars at Wells Fargo Center. Uh, Back-to-back games today and tomorrow, tonight at home against Dallas, and tomorrow against the New York Islanders as the Flyers look to stop this losing streak at 11 and put it in the rearview mirror and see if they can move forward and get uh, a win tonight at home on a night when Keith Yandel will tie Doug Jarvis's consecutive games played record. But in this episode, and as on every Monday, we are joined by the one, the only, Bill Meltzer from NHL.com, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. Bill, how we doing? Uh, we are we're doing okay, hanging in. How about yourself? Well, if I'm in, uh, speaking in all honesty, I'm pretty <laughs> <shitty>. <laughs> Uh But, you know, the team now has lost 11 straight games. We've got a lot of real estate to cover here. Uh, because, Bill, the 10-game winless streak was one thing, and then they kind of started to bounce back under Mike Yo and had the seven-game point streak. But here we are mired in it again, and it looks different in some ways than the ten game, the original ten game winless streak. But it doesn't matter because the results the same. Uh, what are your kind of your feelings on on where this team is right now and the the notion of fragility? Yeah, I mean it, it, it's an extremely <laughs> fragile team. It was a fragile team, as you said, with the you know the ten game um, the streak, and, and although. Some of the games have been better played, as, as you were alluding to, um, were games that the Flyers were at least in a situation to to win or in a couple of cases come away with points from going into the third period. The, bo- the bottom line is a close loss. It's still a loss. You know, there there is no such thing as a moral victory, especially when you're where the, where the Flyers already were in the standings. And, um, you know, we, we can – we can slice and dice it a lot of different ways. The, the, the bottom line is it's that it's a team that, you know, that that's has an inability, I think, to, you know, play to a level for, for three consecutive periods. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to dictate your will. Uh, you really, you know, but, but at least, you know, the Flyers still have a tendency when something goes wrong, it snowballs, whether that's for the next five minutes or for however long. You know, they get scored on, they get scored on again quite often, you know, and it, it's been, um, that's really been it. Even games where they've trailed and have come back to lead at some point, you know, they haven't been able to finish those out. And that's, that's the difference between the Flyers are. And that's where, you know, teams that are, are much higher in the standings, these are games that those teams generally come away with wins and the Flyers have not, you know, and, and it's been, it's been a chronic issue, so it's uh, you know it, it's gotten to a point where it's it's really it's not even really about process or you know about an outcome in this game or that game. I mean, the Flyers are buried deep into the standings. Really, it's about to me assessing who is going to be you know be part of the club going going ahead. You know, and um, either there are you know unrestricted free agents. Um, you know, young players here trying to win spots, and really, to me, a lot of this is about you know assessing just that who's going to be here long term. Yeah, and they have a half a season now to do it because we are at the midway point. Bill, let me ask you about you know fragility is one of the fragile is a word that no athlete wants to be a part of in any way, shape, or form. Um, you know, it's fragile and soft; those are the two words that are like the biggest insults to athletes. 
But, you know, when you look at this team, Bill, and, and on this podcast, um, I tend to pride our, we pride ourselves, you and I, when you're on and, and when I'm on daily, of not being that podcast that screams and yells and fire this guy and trade that guy, burn it to ash and do all that. But when you look at this in two 10-game winless streaks, now in 11, in the first half of the season, you know, when you can, you, you can't put your finger on one thing because it's collective. But what are the really the biggest reasons why they are where they are? The injuries, yeah, they're a part of it. COVID, yeah, that was a part of it. And other teams are dealing with that too. And they're not excuses. And even if they were, they're never never excuses to, for this. So kind of what is your, what's missing here in your opinion? Well, uh, you know, to me. A big question, it, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it, it really is because you could, you could look at, so many different areas of the game, right? Um, you know, I, I would say, you know, coming into the season, um, you know, there there were things that, you know, we did, what are you confident in? What are you hoping, right? And what are you concerned about? Yeah. I think we did that right before the season started. Um, you know, we were hopeful of the uh, team defense being a much being much improved from from and and you see it in you see it in spells and spurts and you know a period here or half a game there or, or whatever I, the bottom line is though that the flyers are quite often their own worst enemies they, they too many too many key battles in games get lost you know whether it's it's uh getting out muscle in the walls or whether it's a a, a crucial face-off with an opportunity to tie a game or just those situations where you really have to bear down and execute. They don't, they haven't. And, you know, I, I would say that the right things have been said, whether it's been by coaches, whether, you know, Elaine Vigneault or, or, you know, or Mike Yo, or, or by players, but saying and doing are two different things. So that that's, you know, so that everything was predicated on being a being a harder team to play against, starting, you know, starting with how they break out of the zone, to establishing a forecheck, all the all those process areas, you know, the process has been at best erratic. So I, I would I would start with that, uh, and then second area I would point to is that except for early this season, um, and then a little stretch right after Mike Yo took over, Flyers have not. Put, put the puck in the net. I mean, you know, it, it's uh, even games where they're getting three goals have been too few and far between and during during a lot of these stretches. And they have to um, work so hard to get everyone they get. Every, like. Everyone, everyone seems hard to come by, you know. Yeah. Um, and even you know, even when they've been able to to get some opportunities, like in during this current stretch, you could look at you could look at the power play. The power play has been a big letdown, and other than a you know little you know, a little stretch here or there, it, it continues to be, it, it's been, um, you know, that both, both. And then, you know, and then the penalty kill, which had been a strength, you know, if you look at this, if you look at January, the penalty kill has been awful too. And I know Couturier isn't there and, you know, they haven't had Ellis all season and whatnot. I mean, it's a factor, but listen, other teams deal with injuries too. And other teams have dealt with COVID outbreaks too, and they haven't had this. So, yeah. You know, I, I I think that one of the biggest disappointments um, is that one of the key areas that the Flyers tried to change in the offseason 
you know, they brought in a lot of guys who'd been captains elsewhere, considered leaders, you know, considered leaders on their teams, you know, and a lot of that was to play into the resiliency of it. You know, if you look at things like the team's record when they've been scored on first, um, you know, to, to have two wins, it was like two eighteen and and three, three or four, yeah, at the, this stage of the season. I mean, yeah, that that's horrific. That no, you know, when when teams talk about pride and bounce back and resilience. You know that 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 just flies. They, they, that's the proof that you know it's not a resilient team. Period. Yeah. End of sentence. Um, let me ask you about this tweet that I got because I, I thought it was perhaps the best question I've ever gotten from Flyers Twitter uh, since we started this podcast, and I wanted to really attack it with you. It was at Tots the Punk tweeted me, and he said, "How much damage did AV AV's coaching style?" Vets over young players, no teaching, guiding, et cetera, really do to this team. Do you think younger players regress because of this? Are we seeing the effects now, or is this team just built badly? And I looked at that question, Bill, and I said, wow. Those are some of the things that we were told, and we kind of knew about AV, that he wasn't a guy to develop young talent, and he preferred vets over, over youth. And we were forewarned by every Ranger or Canuck fan, right? Uh, on social media and DMs and tweets. And everybody's telling us, go be careful. Uh, if you're right there on it, knocking on it, he maybe can knock the door down. But if you're not and you got to develop, then that could be an issue. So when you look at that question and, you know, you look at the, some of the erratic play of the younger players like Travis Konechny, Travis Sanheim, Ivan Provorov and others, how much of this is kind of a, a byproduct of the Elaine Vigneault time here? Well, I don't know. You know, I don't want to blame you, the guy that's out the door, right, but I thought right. it was a valid question. I mean, you know, it, it might have a degree of validity, but if that's the case, why in 2019-20 did, you know, and, and listen, I mean, you know, players are responsible for their own play, ultimately. I, I've always yeah, believed that. Totally agree. So I, I, I'm not going to say that, um, you know, Ivan Provorov, for example, in two two seasons ago, you know, it was all a product of uh, of playing with Niskanen or, or or despite AV or whatever the case might be, where he had a, a an outstanding season two years ago and really up and down the last you know the last two seasons. I, I don't want to put that on AV and and um, you know like Konechny had an All Star year a couple of years ago it was really right That's up here. Yeah. So you know I, I don't know you know or or it looked like uh, although he's now. You know, although he's now with Nashville, I mean, look like look like Myers was breaking through a couple of years ago. That was with AV here. So yeah. I don't I don't know. I, I think that I think I think the coach becomes a very convenient scapegoat. Um, I mean, yes, he preferred veterans, uh, you know, and that in general. But I, I think I think young players got opportunities. Um, you know, I, you you can look at you can look at the developmental side, and that to me is one of the puzzles. And maybe, you know, and maybe they. Not maybe they they it's one of the many areas the team could have done better because if you look at that the group that was counted on, you know this this is going to be the group to lead, you know other than maybe Joel Farabee who's had some injury issues lately, you know uh, in, in the last two seasons guys have stagnated guys have gone backwards guys you were hoping would take the next step haven't you have you have to account for those things, um I I just I'm just not a blame the coach type in in general so. I, I don't know. I, I think it might have a, a piece of truth to it, but I think it, it, it's too convenient to say, oh, it, it's all AV. Yeah, I agree with that. And because I think the other part of it, Bill, is like you see, especially last season, you'd see some of the breakdowns defensively and 
you know, five guys on the ice going to a puck in the D zone, like a moth to flames, disregarding the other side of the ice. And I'm going, I know they're not coaching that, (laughs) you know, I go, there's just no way. So I, I tend to, I agree. A player's got a responsibility and, you know, Cam Atkinson talked about that bill. He said, you know, the only way, the only person that's going to get us out of this is us, is the players. And, you know, the coaches can say whatever, it doesn't matter. Players play, coaches coach, and the only way they're going to get out of this spin is by the players doing the right things. But with this fragility, how does it even begin? Is it as simple as just get one win and and start to try and use that as a building block? Is that where we are at this point, at the midway point? Yeah, I mean, you know, at this point, we're not even – it doesn't even have to look at the standings at this point. Really, it has to do with, you know, you you re. You rebuild and you have to rebuild a little bit of uh, a little bit of mojo, a little bit of confidence, you know, um, you, you know, but that's that's done by playing the right way, you know, so it's that's it's earned. A, yeah, exactly. And it, 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 it becomes a chicken and egg thing, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the bottom line is, listen, when things we said we said this before the coaching change came down, when things go the way they're going and continue that way. There are going to be changes, you know, um, whether it's a coach, whether it's a, a, whether it's trades. I mean, there are a lot of, there are a lot of roster turnover last off season, you know, I mean, really to me, anything, anything is on the table because you have to, you have to look top to bottom, whether it's scouting development, coaching leadership, you know, um, whether it's trying to upgrade the top end of your roster and creating cap space to do that. Um, because you and I both agree that simply just collecting assets and drafting and, you know, that that's a piece of it. That's a piece of how you rebuild a core, but there's no guarantees. And it's a long, it's a long haul, mm-hmm. you know? So um, for, for the flyers to get back to where they, they want to be, where they need to be, um, you know, some of it sometimes is maybe taking a step forward to take a step back. I take, take a step back rather than take a step forward. But, um, you know, a, a lot of it is also looking at the veterans on the team, too. It, it, it's There's a whole lot of pieces to it. So, you know, I, I think that any anything and everything should be should be looked at and, and, you know, you consider making changes if you need to make changes. The worst thing you can do, though, is, you know, just get right, just, just get them out of here. That, that, that mentality where you're taking pennies on the dollar, you know, you, when you deal from weakness, that's what ends up happening. You have to – it requires a little bit of patience, too, and, and waiting for the, the right moves to be there and, you know, and, and going forward. Because other, other teams sometimes will – other teams will sometimes overpay. And you know, we go back to 2006-07, and that's really – I don't know that model doable now. You can create that kind of cap space that, that team had. But I just know how, how bleak everything seemed that year. And – you know, young players were, were coming up and nobody seemed to be, be developing, although, you know, you could see hope in certain guys, you know, and, and it just it just seemed it just seemed so dark and so bleak. And so and far was, away. You know, right. Yeah, Everything. So far, it really did. It mm. really did. I mean, that was that was that was the worst team. One of the I, I would say that, that we can replicate, you know, is you, you figure out who are the guys who are just not going to be part of the solution, whether it's for contractual reasons whether it's just guys who don't want to be here. Now, thankfully, I do think in terms of that, this is a better group than that other one. Mm-hmm. There, there were players on that team in those 607 that just really weren't 
<laughs> who just really weren't the kind of players you want as part of a mix, whether it's for hockey reasons or whether it's for, you know, level of commitment. I, I think I think this is a better group in that regard, but there's just as much work to do. Yeah, that's a great point. And it does when you're mired in it like we are right now, if, you know, contending playoffs, all that stuff feels a million miles yeah. away. Things can change in this league quick. Let, let's talk about, you know, the changes they did make in the offseason because they were significant changes. And, you know, I mean, I think I would still make the Ryan Ellis acquisition for Nolan Patrick and Phil Myers right now, knowing what I know, which is odd. Uh, but that being said, you know, we looked at all those moves, Bill, and we said, yeah, this team looks better on paper. We have to see what it looks like on the ice. And have we gotten a true look of it on the ice? Probably not. But th that is what it is. Uh, but when you looked at all those moves, and we know some of those moves were made with Elaine Vigneault specifically in mind. There's a lot of you know, guys that played under him before and a certain style. Uh, but when you look at those moves that Chuck Fletcher made this summer, that, you know, the fan base right now thinks that it was foolhardy in a way. When you look back at it, how, how do you kind of look at it now? Well, I, I think some of those moves had to be made, you know. Um, you know, the, the, the Ellis trade, my issue with the Ellis trade was just, how much? How many eggs were tied up in the basket of needing Ellis to be healthy? Mm -hmm. You know, and I know I know this is a different health situation than previous ones, but you know, players who get hurt frequently tend to keep getting hurt, whether it's the you know, whether it's the same injury or whether it's something different. It just it just seems like certain players just seem to get injured quite a bit. Wade Allison, yeah, yeah, uh, and Wade Allison is a great example, and it's all it's all different things, you know. With Allison, just this year alone, it was a high ankle sprain, it was an elbow injury, and now it's an you know, now it's a knee injury, you know. And mm -hmm. I just, just can't wait, just for whatever reason, just cannot seem to stay in the lineup, you know. Um, part of it is with the way that he plays, you know, way he plays. And I mean, Ellis, Ellis is another. Ellis is a little guy who plays plays much bigger than he is. Yeah. So you know that has something to do with it as well. Um, so that was a miscalculation just in terms of putting all those eggs in the basket of having him healthy. And I don't think any, I don't think anybody, you know, in a, except in a disastrous case scenario figured he'd play four games yeah. in the first half of the season. But, but still, you know, you have to have the depth to withstand it. And I think that the, uh, I think, you know, in, in hindsight, the level of depth was probably a little bit overrated. Yeah. Um, you know, when, when key guys have gone down, Others have not stepped up, and, and other players have kind of, you know, other guys who who you count on to not just fill the void but to, to lead the team in those situations, just just have not you know come up small in, in, in situations where you need those guys to step up, uh, whether it's veterans, young players, or whatnot. So I, I think that the I think the team's not as deep as we were hoping it was. Um, if you if you break down the individual moves. Most of them I would still make. To me, an interesting one, Jason, is the uh, is the Ristolainen trade because mm -hmm. I think Risto has come in and he's filled a role nicely. He has brought things that the Flyers need um, in, in terms of the physical game, just in terms of competitiveness level, you know, um, you know, a little bit of snarl and uh, you know, I, I, you know, it's not just he's not just not just about stats. You know, I, Risto is always a always going to be a divisive player, and so some people will tell you that he's been the team's best defenseman, and other people just tell you he's awful, he's horrible. Look at look at the you know 
look at the expected goals or or, or whatever you know or what or whatever uh, but usually usually it's usually it falls in, into that um you know speaking personally i think he's come in and and he's done he has not been part of the problem the problem is okay you traded a first round pick you know and they traded a 2023 20, second rounder in what's shaping up to be a very deep draft you know and if you got that for a rental even even though he came, might have come in and filled a that's that's tough you know uh, to me to just get one asset back you know I'm a, unless it's a really good asset i don't know that, that that's a little bit of a tough pill to swallow looking halfway through the season you know where the team is right now so i don't i don't even know where i stand on on how that trade is looking halfway through the season i, I like the player but uh you know it's a move that thus far hasn't paid off um, you know and I, I would say other moves you know I, I mean you know like the uh i think maybe you know no no maybe i i i think that there was they were hoping there was more left in the tank for keith yandel truthfully yeah, yeah. that um you know, that he could come in and if nothing else, you know, play 15 minutes a game, help you on the power play, and you could shelter him enough so Just that... Braun, you know, no. Yeah, yeah. Playing playing with Braun. Yeah. And with, with, with Alice going down, then all of a sudden Braun has to play up top with, yeah. with Pro-Rob. And not, and not, for, not for a week, not for a month. What turned out to be is basically every game, you know, other than they, I mean, they shake, they've shaken up pairings a few times. So that's... That's been a big thing. I I think that's a combination of a trickle down factor from Ellis, and just not getting what you needed from from the player himself. And that's uh, you know that has nothing to do with his career or the, his streak or how well respected he is. It, it's just a performance thing. And um, you know, so I I think when you look at that, some things have worked, some things have not. Um, I, I would say on the whole. And uh, you know, and then I'll, I'll get. I'd love to hear you know what you think about these various things too. Um, you know, I think on the whole, the goaltending has been better yeah. than it was a year ago. Buffalo game aside, because the Buffalo game, neither goalie was very good in that game. But on the whole, the goaltending has been significantly better this year. So that was that was an area come you know a little leap of faith that has that has paid off. But it's just uh, you know the team as a whole. And then the last thing is, there was a belief that. You know, hey, AV could pull things back to, you know, AV could reel things back into where they were in 2019, 20. The last year was just an aberration. Um, whether you're, you know, well, how much you assigned to the, to the coach and how much you assigned to the players, it, it was pretty clear that uh, whatever he was selling, they were no longer buying into. Was and part of that, uh, you, was part of that exacerbated by the way he handled the goaltender last year in Carter Hart? I think, I, I, I mean, honestly, you know, that, after after that after that went down, you know it was I odd. Mean, yeah, <laughs> it, it was odd, and and I think all of us were talking to people we knew elsewhere in hockey from other organizations who were like, "What was that? Well, who, what was that all about?" Yeah, and uh, I said, "Well, I mean, you know, it, it, I, I guess an attempt to motivate, but it could very easily backfire." It, it was strange because it did it didn't have the ring of truth to it, yeah. you know. Because there was games that Brian Elliott was playing where he wasn't performing great, but he was getting lauded, and games where Carter was trying to come back and was starting to play well again, and it was still not being lauded. It, it seemed disingenuous in a way, and um, you know, yeah, I heard from a lot of people from all over the North America going like, "Wait a minute here, his work ethic is being questioned," and from everybody I've talked to, and you know, knowing the people I know, 
that revolve around Carter work ethic, never an issue. Taking yeah. the, his craft seriously, never an issue. Compete, never an issue. And I think that's one of the, if you're looking for a positive sign out of the first half is that he just keeps going out and competing his ass off. I mean, he is out there still doing everything he can. And at some point it could be overwhelming. Absolutely. Uh, Martin Jones may fetch you some kind of return with a team like Edmonton or somebody else that's looking for goaltending. Maybe you can get a fourth round pick or something like that in exchange for him. But Bill, let's talk about Mike Yo, and I'm going to circle back to the general manager again after this. But let's talk about Mike Yo because he's been dealt a really difficult hand uh, from not only when he took over the team. I don't know that there's any kind of association because he was an assistant for AV. That's a spillover for him, but. He, he's been incredibly transparent in his availabilities and, you know, he's doing everything he can, but he can't play the game. But when you look at the situation for Mike Yo, a lot of Flyer fans are going, they should hire their next coach now. Why don't they hire their coach now and get him in here so he can start looking and see who's the part of the problem, who's not part of the problem, get his system in. But my thing is, is, you know, coaches like to have a full training camp. They don't want to come in and attach themselves to this. Yeah. incredibly sideways season in any way, shape, or they, for lack of a better term, they don't want to get any stink on them from this season. And they want to start anew other than the motivation of getting a paycheck earlier than the start of next year. I don't know that there is any motivation. So I don't see why they would make any kind of change in that regard right now. Anyway. No, uh, I mean, honestly, this season, I, I don't care who you're bringing in. Right? You could bring in, you could bring in a combination of you know, Scotty Bowman and Toby. Scotty Bowman, Fred Giro, you know, whatever, whatever. You, you could bring in the greatest hybrid coach in the world in a laboratory. You're not turning the season around, you know. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you're not, you're not, you're not salvaging this year, getting in the playoffs. There's no 41 game winning streak coming on, no matter who you, uh, who you'd bring in. So, um, you know, I, I, I think that uh, I'm, you know, I'm fine with Mike Yo as, as the interim coach. Um, you know he's a uh, good hockey guy. He's well, you know, he's well organized. You know, as you said, I, I like the transparency. I don't think he's pushed the right button in all situations with every player. But I, but I think on the whole, he's he's doing what you know, he's doing about you what you would expect, right? Um, you know, they honestly they had honestly even the assistant coaches are in rooms too. So yeah, you know, unless you're changing the whole staff at this point, um. You know, like like for example, I uh, the, the the objective wasn't uh, for for Nick Schultz to be the team, you know, coaching the defense all all season, but uh, when when Mike Young moved up to head coach, then you know Nick moved from the developmental role to an assistant role. At this point, it just it just you know if you if you start moving if you start moving pieces around again, I don't know what the uh, you what know I, I don't know what yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I think those those are all things you do in the off season. Yeah, I would agree. And they got to figure out first and foremost what the direction is to then determine what a candidate list looks like for this team. So let's turn to the general manager. He'll speak this week uh, with a, a kind of a state of the state of the Flyers here at the midway point. We know what the state is. How much uh, do you expect to hear from Chuck Fletcher about what's going on? And in, in a very I know he's going to be disappointed and all of those things. Uh, but, you know, people. You know, you get the messages. I get them, too. You know, you got to hold his feet to the fire. I'm not a reporter, so that's not my job. But, um, you know, they want you got to ask that you got to make them answer the tough questions. Well, that's not how the profession works. But how how uh, kind of open do you think, Chef Fletcher, and, you know, unguarded he'll be in this press conference? Because this is a little different. Yeah. I mean, 
I, I'm not expecting it would be very disappointing to hear excuse making. Mm-hmm. You know, if 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 he's leaning on injuries and COVID and whatever, I, I but I don't I don't expect him to do that though. I mean, you know, um, I expect him to say, you know, we came in expecting to be a significantly harder team to play against. That has not happened. You know, um, you know, we, we expected, we expected a lot, a lot of things, all the things we were talking about before to, uh, you know, to be offensively a little bit better. We expected from some veterans who haven't produced. I mean, I expect him to say without going into detail right now, you know, that we're going to take a look top to bottom. And I know, I know that that's, that's a, almost a cliche, right? It's an easy thing to say, but they, they really do. They have, they have to look at, have to look at scouting. They have to look at the coaching staff. They have to look at, you know, the, the roster mix again, you know, and, and Chuck will say, you know, I bear responsibility too. Now, you know, the, uh, you know, I mean, when you, when you make enough changes, Right. And and things don't click. Eventually, you know, eventually you have a, a change of general manager. Um, that's not obviously a, Chuck's not stepping down. Chuck, uh, you know, Chuck is still working uh, on uh, doing the best he can to, you know, make changes in the organization. Um, you know, that that'll continue in the offseason. I, I, you know, I, I mean, neither of us, neither of us are of the pay grade where we have any idea of what's happening, you know, in terms of front office stuff. Yeah, I I do know that uh, you know I've always found Chuck to be very straightforward. You mm-hmm. know, a little bit like Mike Yo, where if there's an area of the team he's not happy with, he will say that. Um, you know, and, and I so I'm expecting a degree of candor, but I'm not expecting any concrete plans, and certainly not expecting him to say, you know, uh, well we're we're just we're just cleaning house. Every you know, everybody's gone. You know, I mean yeah. that. He's we're open going, for business. <laughs> we are open for business. Yes, pe- pe- we'll take pennies in the dollar. You know, crazy Eddie, right? Our deals yeah. are insane. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, they they will clearly be sellers to a degree, but you know, I'm I expect him to say that he's looking, he's looking to make moves that will help the team now and in the future. And I know, again, that's a cliche. Yeah. It, it, it is what you're looking to do. It's what you're always looking to do. Yeah. Um. You know, uh, I, I would I would like to get, however, some concrete answers about, OK, listen, you know, what's really going on here with uh, with Ryan Ellis? You know, yeah. are you shutting him down for the season? What's going on with Sean Couturier? Yeah. You know, guys who you're guys who listen, who are still going to be part of this team and still going to be important parts of this team. I, I do think it is fair to ask for answers in that regard as to, you know, are we going to even see these guys again this season? And when. When may we and, and you know how did it get from a situation where it was uh, with Ryan Ellis initially it was truly day to day you know day to day became week week became we don't know when he's coming back so yeah. I I, I, I want to get a little clarity there uh, and I think I think that's fair to ask um, you know I so I, I you know I, I'd like to I'd like to walk away from it at least feeling I know a little bit more about okay this is roughly what we could expect the rest of this year and this is where we want to you know this is step a in, in, in the process of how we get to to step B because you know, it's not, it's not about this season anymore. Bill, he'll be asked if this, uh, this team, this organization needs a full rebuild, rebuild, retool, yeah. whatever you call it. Uh, you know, you know, it'll be asked. And how does he handle that question? Because I mean, to me, 
he's got to just kind of stick to the, you know, we're going to make the decisions that are best for this organization, both now and, and in the future and the future, we're not going to be in a situation where we're getting anything short term that doesn't benefit us. Cause you know, he's not going to say they're not in a playoff position, you know, or they're, you know, playing out the string. I, I just don't think general managers say those sort of things. No. Also, yeah. Go ahead. No, I, I would say though, he would say that realistically looking at the season, our odds are, you know, very remote. I mean, that, that, yeah. that's just being a realist. I mean, if, you, if you're saying, oh, well, we could climb back into this yet. I mean, that that's really, you know, that that's just, I, I don't know. Gasp. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know that anybody would believe that. Truthfully. No, and he wouldn't. Uh, he's, no. he's a smart man. So. Um, the other thing he'll be asked about, obviously, is, you know, selling players at the trade deadline, uh, guys on expiring contracts. And one is the captain who, you know, for, for the way this team's looked this year and, you know, the way they've performed. I mean, I look at him and he's out there still just spilling it to me. Yeah. Every game and pretty much every shift and his production's been good. I think he's got a lot to give to a team. He's going to be asked about it, but I think we're going to get a coy response. And I'm just warning the fans now, you know, no general manager is going to tip his hand publicly right. in this situation. And, you know, the timeline of when a, a player of Drew's ilk gets moved isn't right now. Really, the clock kind of turns on in about three, four weeks time. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. And and I expect him to say again, you know, we haven't sat down with Claude yet. Yeah. Um, from our perspective, we would like him to play his whole career here. That's what that's what you say, whether you're, you know, whether you're thinking, OK, what is our succession plan? Which is, you know, I mean, and truthfully, I don't know what the succession plan is, because if you do trade him and you get a first round pick and a young player with some with some upside, you're still not replacing Claude Giroux, you know, imminently or the next year or two. You know, I, I think people that blame Claude Giroux for so many of the team's ills are going to learn the same lesson they learned about when they. They blame Jake Voracek or her Elaine Vigneault or you name you name their scapegoat of choice. It's it's not uh, it's not a Claude Giroux problem, you know. It's it's not it's not him as captain. It's not him on the team, um, you know. And you know you have to part of part of the whole figuring too is that okay, you know you have a cap to manage, you have term to figure out, you know how much does Claude want to be here versus you know what he he wants a chance to win yeah you know and uh they they, they really have to have a meeting of the minds on that and then then make a collective decision you know whereas for for quite a long time coming into the season and for really until the the two 10 plus game winless streaks i thought okay you know what as long as the season goes okay it's really more about okay what is you know what can you give the player so that he finishes his career here, but you you'll also have the flexibility to continue building around them. Yeah. So that, that you can put a winning team here and gradually step down his role, you know, over the remainder of time. Now, now I see it mo more likely than not ending up with him moving on. I'm just, I just don't know what that future would look like. And if it gets worse before it gets better. But one of the things that, I think will be considered in timeline here if he does decide to waive his no move clause. And we're not going to get like a, a notice one day. Hey, he waived his no move clause. It's not going to be like a, a, a Yahoo news story that's going to pop up on your phone, but whenever he does, but one of the parts of the equation is that he can play his 1000th NHL game all for the flyers on March 20th. Yeah. And you know, that, or, or excuse me on March 17th against Nashville. 
Originally, that was going to be March 13th, but with the schedule changes, it's now March 17th and because of the games that he missed. So when you look at that, how, how much does that come into part of this equation as well? Unless you trade him to Nashville and come back here and, and be the visitor as celebrate his thousandth game. But is that part of is that part of the equation, oddly enough? I, I don't think it can be. I don't you know, think it's, it can it's be unfor- it, It's unfortunate that uh, mm-hmm. just, just the, you know, the situation of him going in COVID protocol cost him those couple games that, uh, but you can, you, you have to think long-term. It's not about, it's not about a, the thousand games or, or anything like that. I, I don't, I don't think it plays any factor, you know, at all. Okay, good. Uh, now let's talk about the Doug Jarvis streak and uh, Keith Yandel getting set to tie it tonight. Um, you know, a lot of people go, okay, as soon as he gets the Ironman record, he comes out of the lineup, right? I don't know that to be true. Yeah. Neither, neither do I. Um, you know, I mean, now, now, uh, you know, now Cam York is a regular in the lineup, and I think he will remain remain as such, and has played played well enough that uh, not perfectly. You don't expect a player to be perfect, and you know, the player is going to make his mistakes or whatever. But I mean, he he has played overall well enough to be in the lineup. Mm-hmm. Certainly better than what the alternatives have been. So he'll stay in, and probably, I guess, for the time being, at least, stay paired with. Uh, with Keith Yandel, they they tried some other combinations, but uh, you know you can't just have you can't just put your combination together to avoid a certain combination. So you know, at the very least, Cam York is getting some experience playing on the right side, uh, and, and so far, you know, he seems to be adapting to that, which is good. The more more flexibility you have, the better. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I don't I don't think Keith Yandel necessarily automatically comes out of the lineup come next week or anything like that. Um, you know, it, it does once he has you know, once he has he breaks Jarvis's record, then you know, then uh I guess there's you know, I, I guess in a way there's less pressure in taking him out. Um, but you know, but I I don't I don't think he's he's going to come out just because he's broken it. So uh, you know, listen, you know, again, we speaking in all honesty, it, it, as well liked as he is, he's not gonna be here next year. No. And these you know, when you're here and you know it, it, it was nice to have him in, in terms of getting to know him a little bit and you know and, and whatever but uh but i but i you know but he's not a long-term answer on the team he was only intended to be here a year anyway so that's that's what it is now if you come in a situation where you you know you call up and Igor Zamula, he would probably be the next guy up if, you know then you don't stop progress so but uh, you know, but Igor's not breaking the door down yet at this point either. So, I you know, I, for, for at least for the at least for the time being, I don't I don't see him coming out of the lineup. So, you know, I mean, maybe the greatest asset that he brought to this team was to help Kevin Hayes through the difficult time that he's dealt with. And for sure, I mean that's sure. you know, and that's obviously very important. Um, you know, you talked about Ellis and and Couturier are they coming back this year? And I see a lot of people with the notion of. Well, just shut them down. Shut. Why even have them play the rest of the year? There's a half a season to go. And I look at Kevin Hayes and I look at that a little differently because I say, well, he's going to have to break through the scar tissue and get his body back and all that stuff anyway. So you might as well do it this year. Plus, I think it's important for him to play just from a mental standpoint, from what he's yeah. dealing with to be around the guys and all that stuff, even though it hasn't been a great season. And I think he can kind of you know, shorten the – the process if he didn't play the rest of this year next year by playing a little bit this year. Do you feel that same kind of way about Couturier and Ellis or, you know, 
we don't even really know what the injury is or have any clarity. So this is impossible to answer. But I mean, to me, if you're healthy and you're ready to play, you play. I I mean, you get to a point of diminishing returns with 10 games left, like they did last year with Carter Hart and they shut him down. But we're there's still 41 games to be played here. Yeah. I mean, and and again, it all depends on if they are feeling better, you know, significantly better. And, uh, you know, then, yeah, if they could get into the lineup with the month in the season, play a healthy month or whatever it is, okay, then that's, you know, one less question mark going into the offseason. Now, there's always the long-term question mark about re-injuries, and that's just that's just part of it, you know? I mean, uh, you know, I, I know in discussing, you know, the uh, Sean Couturier's extension, and I always hearken back to the one that uh, Patrice Bergeron signed with Boston, well, Bergeron had all those concussion issues, and he was yeah. coming off of a down year, and there was a lot of concern as he, you know, as he couldn't even be able to finish this contract because he'd had, you know, multiple concussions, including a, one very serious one, you know, and some, you know, and it's worked out fine, thankfully, but you know, it's just part of the part of the risk of the game. You, you can't bubble wrap guys. Yeah. Hockey players play hockey, so you know, if it's a situation where you know, it doesn't make sense to bring them back, then don't. As you said, late. If it's really late in the season, no. But if but if there's a chance of them coming back, say in in March, twenty games left or whatever it is, then then I think you you bring the player back. You know, if he's re- able to come back. But again, that that we don't we don't know enough about their situations yet to to be able to just you know to speak about that with uh, a degree of certainty or, or uh, you know or, or, or expertise. Yeah, you err on the side of caution, of course, because yeah. there, there's not the urgency to bring the player back. Bill, I'm going to leave you with one last thing, um, and I don't want you to answer it now. I want you to think about it over the next week before we convene again on our Sunday evening chats, which are always uh, fascinating, albeit the subject matter not positive. But I'm trying to figure out, because even in bad seasons, you have to find a way as an organization to get something good out of it. Whatever that is, whether it's by moving players and gaining assets, whether that's gaining cap space through moves, whether that's getting young players ice time to say, okay, there's some bright futures here, whatever it is. But the question I'm going to ask you next week is going to be, what can the Flyers get out of this season? And it's a it's a tough question. I've been thinking about it for days now. I've talked about it on the pod a few times, and I'm trying to come to the answer. I don't know that I'm ready to come to the answer yet but I think I will be ready next week. So I want you to think about that. We'll do. It's a good one. Um, yes. <laughs> and we'll dive into that coming up next week, Bill. Thanks for doing this as always, everybody. Thanks for listening. Flyers and the Dallas Stars tonight at Wells Fargo. We'll see if they can stop the bleeding tonight and uh, get a win and put that losing streak at 11 and put it behind them. Uh, we'll break it down tomorrow in a brand new episode of Flyers Daily. Have a great day. Everybody.